that uh, the uh, purpose for his visit was successful and that he will return uh, to us uh, safely. Uh, as was read in our hearing on this morning, uh, James chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Pick that scripture and those scriptures particularly. This morning we're going to talk uh, just a bit about prayer. Uh, and why I choose to speak on prayer uh, for a number of reasons. One is uh, prayer is uh, a privilege. Prayer is a blessing. Prayer has power and prayer changes things, y'all. And so as I think about uh, over the course of the week as I was preparing and considering what to bring before God's people, uh, there were a number of topics that came to mind, and uh, I will chalk this up to perhaps the Holy Spirit, perhaps uh, whatever it was that guided me towards speaking about the topic of prayer on this morning. There are several scriptures that we'll use. Uh, I don't tend to uh, title uh, my lessons, but if I were going to title this lesson, uh, I guess perhaps it would be uh, one's position one's perspective has a profound impact on one's prayer. So one's position or his or her circumstance, one's perspective has a profound impact on one's prayer. Uh, there's a story once told uh, about two camels, camels, uh, a mama camel and a little baby camel who were in the zoo. And as they were preparing to retire to sleep for the evening, uh, the baby camel said to or asked of its mother, uh, why do I have two humps? And the mother replied, uh, baby, you got two humps so that when you're in the hot desert, uh, you can store water, uh, an extra water for the long journey uh, that is ahead. And so the baby camel asked uh, its mother again, uh, why do I have such long legs and round feet? Uh, the mother replied, it's so that when you are traveling on the hot desert sand, you can make progress and your feet are shaped the way that they are because of the sand. You'll get better traction and you can walk easier uh, in the sand. And lastly, uh, the baby camel asked uh, its mom, why do I have such long eyelashes? Uh, and the mother once again responded, you have such long eyelashes because as the wind blows the sand in the hot desert, those eyelashes will protect your eyes. And so they went and retired uh, to ready to go to bed and the baby camel said a prayer. And the prayer was simply, God, can you just put me in the desert? Because uh, clearly that's where you want me to be based on how you have made me. And so I tell that story again to remind us as Christians that you know, God has made us for his purpose. He's made us uh, in a very special way. And oftentimes when we consider our prayers to him and we consider just our spiritual lives in general, oftentimes we struggle, not because God has made a mistake in how he's made us, but because we found ourselves out of our own proverbial desert. God didn't make us to be certain places, doing certain things, thinking certain ways. And when we find ourselves out of place, right, somewhere that God has not intended, uh, it can make for a very challenging life. And so when we think about prayer this morning, there are a couple of things I want us to think about, and the lesson will be yours. I will not hold you long on this morning, but I do hope that the words that I can share with you will give you some perspective. So the, how our position and our perspective impact our prayers. As I mentioned before, uh, 
brothers and sisters, prayer is a, it's a privilege. A lot of folks take for granted this privilege that we have to go to God in prayer. And we often take it for granted, meaning we don't do it enough. And we have a number of reasons why we don't pray the way we ought to pray. And I'm not here to uphold any excuse or any reason that we have, but here to encourage us that if we would pay a little more attention and focus more on our prayers, you know, the same God who opened the Red Sea, the same God who moved mountains and had a bush burn and was not consumed, the same God who raised folk from the dead, gave sight to the blind, hearing back to those who could not hear, that is the same God that we serve today. And I do believe that if we truly acknowledge that we are not just praying to any old body, we are praying to the Lord. We fully acknowledge who we are praying to, and we not only, we can acknowledge, because I'll give some examples here, where there were some who were in some pretty tough positions, some pretty tough circumstances, and it had a profound impact on their prayers. There are others who had unique perspectives, not always good, on this thing called prayer, and it impacted the words that they rendered up to the Lord. But again, for us, when we acknowledge that we're praying to an awesome God, one who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, I'm going to challenge us this morning to take some things to the Lord with boldness. Because again, he's the same God who's done some incredible things, and he didn't just reserve those incredible things for those in times past. He can and will do the same things for us. Let's take a look at just a moment, a few scriptures that I want to uh, set before, some examples. There were some individuals in scripture who uh, were in some pretty tough positions, meaning circumstances of life were pretty incredible. And we look at their circumstances and look at how they handled prayer, I think it will serve as uh, an example for us. This first example that I want us to take a look at is, do you all remember Hezekiah? you all remember Hezekiah? Let's turn over first to 2 Kings 18. 2 Kings 18, verses 1 through 5. 2 Kings chapter 18, verses 1 through 5. Let me come down here and talk to us for a while this morning. 2 Kings 18, 1 through 5. Bible reads, Now it came to pass in the third year of Hosea, son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. Next verse. Twenty and five years old was he when he began to reign, and he reigned twenty and nine years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Abner, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David, his father, did. He removed the high places and break the images and cut down the groves and break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. For unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it, and he called it Yehushna. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. I started here in 2 Kings 18 for a reason. One, not part of the lesson, but I'll drop it anyway. Young people, did you notice how young Hezekiah was when he began to rule? My message to our young folks is don't wait to be great. There are a whole lot of folks who will uh, tell you that uh, you can't do that because you are a certain age. You can't achieve that or accomplish that because of your age. We have far too many examples in Scripture. God used young folk to do his will. And not only do his will, but to do it with might. Hezekiah was a young man uh, when he began his reign. And again, we notice in these first five, five verses of uh, 2 Kings 18 
that y'all, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. This is important because we're going to go to 2 Kings chapter 20. We're going to read a few verses in 2 Kings chapter 20. We're going to look at verses here that will help us identify Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. He was in a position or had a circumstance that was uh, quite, uh, quite incredulous. And we're going to see uh, how he handled the position that he was in. 2 Kings chapter 20. Let's look at the first six verses. In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. And the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, came to him and said unto him, Thus said the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Then he turned his face to the wall and prayed unto the Lord, saying, I beseech thee, O Lord, remember now how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart, and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. And it came to pass, before Isaiah was gone out into the middle court, that the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Turn again and tell Hezekiah, the captain of my people, Thus said the Lord, The God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer. I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will heal thee. On the third day thou shalt go up into the house of the Lord. And I will add unto thy days fifteen years. And I will deliver thee in this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria. And I will defend this city of mine on, for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. Yo, Hezekiah was told he was going to die. And do you notice that when he began to go to the Lord, how the Bible says that he turned his face to the wall? Y'all, we can be in a spot and in a predicament in our own personal lives where we have just to make the commitment that I got to turn my head and my face to the wall and I got to talk to the Lord. Uh, when we consider the position that we are in, the circumstances that we can find ourselves in as children of God, Hezekiah was given news that you're going to die. He turned his face to the wall. And how I interpret that, again, for Hezekiah is he, I don't want to be bothered with the circumstances around me. Y'all leave me alone. I need to talk to the Lord. I need to talk to the only one who is able to get me out of this position that I find myself in. And do you notice that it did not take long because the Lord heard his prayer? That y'all, God added 15 years to this man's life. Now, I know for many of us, we don't often pray the prayer uh, of life, but it's the same God who intervened and said unto Hezekiah, I'll give you 15 more years. Brothers and sisters, that's the same God that we serve. And I think often if we would just acknowledge that uh, if you are dying, if you have folks who are dying, there's nothing wrong with asking for life. There's nothing wrong with asking for it. Will, will God grant it? That's his call. But he is able to do it. And even when we ask for things like life, extend my life, just let me live. Y'all, we have to be thoughtful of when we pray. Sometimes we just ask for stuff that we just have no business asking for. And we ask for it for the wrong reasons. We learn in James where sometimes we don't have because we don't ask. Other times we ask and we don't get it because we're just asking for the wrong stuff. Y'all, we are so caught up sometimes in the material things the Lord is looking for us to just treat me like the father that I am. I can do anything. So why don't you ask? Parents, we know how it is. How does it feel when you know you're going to constantly, you're going to do for your kids? You know that, right? So kids, y'all close your ears. But y'all parents, we're we going to do for our kids, all right? Even when they get on our nerves, we're going to do for our kids. All right, kids, open your ears now. But you can at least say thank you. 
If you're going to go begging for something, say thank you before you ask for the next thing. Parents are going to do it anyway, but it just feels good when your children say thank you, when they're coming to you with a certain spirit, a certain attitude of thankfulness. And we see here where Hezekiah, because of his own faithfulness and his earnest prayer to the Lord, that God decided on his own, I'm going to grant unto you another 15 years. Again, I'm challenging us this morning to consider what is it that is in our lives where we would ask the Lord, Lord, I need this from you. It might seem like an unusual or an extreme request, but again, I go back to remind us, brothers and sisters, there's nothing too big for the Lord. For his children, he can and will, if he chooses, do anything. And again, that should be for us to have the attitude that when we go to the Lord, we can go to him with confidence. We can go to him with boldness. We go to him with humility and other things as well, but we can go to him knowing that he is capable of answering any prayer that we offer up. Let's look at another couple of examples. Again, dealing with the position. Our position, our circumstance has a profound impact on our prayers. Let's look at the thief on the cross. I know that it's not a prayer, but it's a conversation with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So I wanted to call this one out for us as well. Let's turn over to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23, verses 39 through 43. Luke 23, we'll look at verses 39 through 43. Again, this is not a literal prayer, but it's a conversation between a couple of folks in the Lord as they hang on the cross. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing that thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Now use this example for us to just give a sharp contrast. Here you have two men hanging on the cross with Christ. Christ having done no wrong. Two criminals being punished for whatever crimes that they have committed. And I was struck by the audacity of the one criminal to look upon the Lord and say, if you be the Christ, because again, I can know I wasn't there, neither were you, but can you just hear some indignation and some, can you just hear the tone in the man's voice as he hangs there on the cross? If you're Christ, why don't you save yourself and us too while you're at it, right? Can't you hear the, can't you just hear the tone in the, in the criminal's voice? And again, he's talking to the Lord. And again, you have to ask yourself that, man, if you hang it on a cross, about to die, shouldn't you at minimum have a little humility? or at minimum have something about you, uh, you about to die. And not even on the precipice of death do you not still find somewhere in your heart to keep your mouth closed or to say something that has a little more respect on it, right? I just find that absolutely amazing that you had one who is, if you're the Christ, don't save us. Save yourself. Save me too. But you had the other criminal. You see how he jumped in and said, hold up, man. Right? I'm paraphrasing. You just read the script. Hold up, man. You, you know we here justly. We did wrong. So they clearly knew who Christ was because one of them said, he has done no wrong. And instead of, well, Christ sent you Christ, why don't you save yourself and save me too? He just had a simple request of the Lord. Remember me, right? Y'all, sometimes when we're going to the Lord, 
Now, like we read in Hezekiah, he had lived his life for the Lord, had did what the Lord said do. But when you're at a point where you can say to the Lord, Lord, just remember me. Remember what I've done in your name. Remember, I've tried. I, I did the best I could do. Never perfect. Always striving to do your will. Y'all, one thing, we have to be in a spot where we can actually go to the Lord and say, remember me. And uh, when you ask the Lord to remember you, not that he needs you to tell him to remember you, he's going to remember. But it's showing enough helps, y'all, if we live a life where if he's going to remember, he's going to remember something that's going to help us uh, get a little closer to heaven, right? Uh, which means we cannot live in such a way that when we were to ask the Lord, Lord, remember me, he shakes his head in disgust, right? Or dips his head in shame because even as children of God, although we know better, we don't always do better, right? One more example where our circumstances, we see a circumstance profoundly impacting a prayer. Could not get by without using an example of Jesus Christ himself because he prayed a prayer and was in a circumstance like no other prior to his death on the cross. We know the story very well. Christ prayed that this cup passed from him. And y'all, I think we, you hear me talk about it often, uh, and I do it intentionally, which is the more we can try to understand on, the, on a physical side what Christ went through, the easier I personally think it is for us to honor this that is before us, called communion, to honor this that we are participating in, then it's called the worship service. Y'all, God is to be held in the highest regard. Highest regard. So what that means for me is, I can't come in here acting any way I want to act. I cannot come before the Lord talking any way I want to talk. I cannot come before the Lord doing whatever I want to do. Because we're talking about the Lord, the Lord who created all things, including us. And I think sometimes we just get besides ourselves. Uh, we just forget. Maybe it's a temporary mental lapse. For some of us, it's a little more permanent because we just wallow in it. But y'all, we come before the Lord, and that's what makes this building, the brick and mortar, that's not what's important. We come in the presence of the Lord. Y'all, we ought to Act like we got some godly sense. We have to act like we have some godly sense. What I'm going to read for us now, again, is not, uh, it's not new. But there are some things here, again, I just want to touch on briefly. And then I want us to consider. This is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're talking about, again, one's position or circumstance and how it has an impact on prayer. Let's look at Luke 22. Go back one chapter. Luke 22. Let's look at verses 39 to 44. Luke 22. Let's look at verses 39 to 44. And he came out and went, as he was wont to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples also followed him. This is Christ and his disciples. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, 
Remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. I'll just remind us that Christ knew what was about to happen to him. And if you can just imagine, allow yourself to imagine for just a moment, Christ knew that he was not going to die an ordinary death. Execution style, just die quickly, 30 seconds, put a bullet in him. Christ was not going to die that way. And he knew it. And again, while Christ is Christ, Christ was also a man who felt pain, who felt all the things that you and I would feel going through the same circumstances. And Christ went before his father in the Mount of Olives to pray. And he prayed that if it's your will, let this cup pass from me. Not my will, but thy will. And it goes on even further to say that an angel came down to give him strength and to support him. And that as he prayed even more earnestly, that sweat dropped from his brow as blood. And y'all, did you know that there is a, there's a real thing where people literally sweat blood? But it's brought on only by the most extreme fear and anxiety. What this scripture tells us, y'all, is again, it's not new to us. But I cannot get past reminding us that what Christ was enduring as he was led up and before his death, y'all, is a pain and an agony we'll never fully know. But he did it anyway. And he did it for us. And we see this prayer that is ultimately in all that he is going through, his prayer was still, not my will, but thy will be done. And that's another lesson for us to learn. There are often times that when we pray, uh, again, we pray for things that are just not in God's will for us. And we have to acknowledge that, yeah, you pray, and when we pray, be very thoughtful because there are things that we can pray for uh, that just don't line up with God's will. And when they don't line up with God's will, it is uh, not normal for us to consider or believe that God is going to bless us. And again, we oftentimes uh, pray for uh, physical things. And I like joking with folks, uh, although it's really not a joke, but I try to put in a joke in a way so folks don't get an attitude and uh, feel some kind of way, right? But uh, a lot of folks pray for, Lord, I want a million dollars. Some of us may have prayed that prayer too, right? Lord, I want a million dollars. We know that the Lord and his response is, uh, can be a yes, can be a no, can be a wait, can be any of the above. But I'll remind some of us, and again, don't anybody take this personal, because I'm not talking to anyone in particular. I'm dealing with, again, mankind and how we think. Lord, bless me, I want a million dollars. We do know that uh, the Lord knows us better than we know ourselves. So for some of us, we will never get a million dollars, ever. Not for, why? Because you didn't do right with the $20 he gave you. Why is he gonna give you a million, right? So you can go on doing whatever it is you do with more money. Again, this is not a, this is, y'all, we're talking about the Lord who knows us. And again, it's back to when we find ourselves in certain situations, y'all, none of us may have necessarily looked down the face of death. But we all have circumstances in our lives where it is much bigger than we can ever deal with. 
and we have to find ourselves in a spot where we are prostrate before the Lord, saying, Lord, I just need your help. And again, this is based on the position, the circumstances that we find ourselves in as children of God. And again, we often look at this privilege, this blessing of prayer, and we do it half-heartedly at times. Sometimes we don't do it at all. And sometimes when we do it, we're asking for stuff that the Lord ain't even hearing us. Not that he is incapable of hearing us, but he's looking at us. I can just sometimes visualize the Lord looking down on us. That's all of us, self-included sometimes, just shaking his head saying, what are you asking for that for? Out of all the things you can ask for, and given on what you're going through in your life right now, you're going to ask for that? Out of all the things I can give you to help you out of your circumstance, you're going to ask for that? Y'all, the Lord is watching. And he's listening. He's preparing us to come before him in a way that we can ask for anything, but we have to be thoughtful that the things that we're asking for make sense. And when I say make sense, meaning it is aligned with God's word. Lord, I want to win the lotto. Come on, y'all. The Lord ain't got nothing to do with that. And if you happen to win the lotto, it's not because the Lord blessed you to win the lotto. But we pray for those things. And again, it's back to us and our attitude. And that, that leads us into perspective. There are some, when they prayed in scripture, we have examples where their perspective on prayer was just quite interesting. Some good, some not so good. But again, they all serve for us as examples. And when we're talking about prayer, it's an opportunity for us to acknowledge that we have a need to go to the Lord on a much more regular and frequent basis. We have uh, the opportunity to know enough about the Lord to know what to pray for, how to pray. He's given us all that we need. Uh, but we're going to read a couple of examples here that will hopefully help us see that there's some things, again, that we find ourselves getting caught up in that, uh, that it doesn't please the Lord. The good news is we can read about it. And if I can read about things that don't please the Lord, then i got a good chance of not doing those things. Why? Because I can read what other folks did and know that I'm not going to do that. And why? Because the Lord told me what he felt about this when it was done. One such example, turn over to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, verses 10 through 14. Again, another very common story that we're aware of in scripture, but one that really does help drive the point home when it comes to prayer and some things that we ought not do and even examples of what we should do. Luke chapter 18, let's look at verses 10 through 14. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. Hold on, hold it there for just a moment. Two men went up to the temple to pray. What strikes me about this, at least somewhat, is you know, you know how we sometimes don't credit the world for knowing that there is a God? Yeah, we got to get our minds out. The, the, the world knows that there is something or someone bigger than what they see. They may not always get it right, which is why it is such a privilege for us to have knowledge of the truth and to take that truth to the world who does not know. So you have two here who are uh, both, you could argue, on different ends of the spectrum, uh, who are going to the same place to do the same thing. To the temple, for what reason? To pray. Let's look at verse 11. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. Pause it right there. 
two men going to the temple to pray. So they acknowledge that it is this place that we go to pray to someone who is bigger than us. The Pharisee, in his self-proclaimed piety and righteousness, has the audacity to go before our Lord and utter these words. Starts off pretty good, right? God, I thank you. And it goes downhill from there. God, I thank you. I am not like these other men. I don't do this. I don't do that. And by the way, I ain't nothing like him, right? They both went into the temple to pray, right? And I ain't nothing like him, this publican. Now, publicans were tax collectors. They weren't popular folks. I'm assuming some of them were not so good of people, maybe cheat others. I'm assuming some were good folks. They just had a job that nobody liked, right? Again, not related to the lesson, but I'll drop it while I'm here. Y'all, we have to be careful ourselves. I see us, again, as a people, uh, putting certain categories of folks where if you one of them, fill in the blank, whoever they are, ain't none of y'all no good, right? Some of us have fallen into that trap. I, I get an opportunity to mentor and to counsel young people on a regular basis, and it is frightening is the right word. What it, does, it frightens me when I stand before a large number of our young men in particular, and they can look me in the face and say squarely, with no hesitation, I hate police. That frightens me. Now, can I, like them, point to any number of examples where those in positions of authority have abused that authority and done terrible things? Sure, I can acknowledge that like everybody else. But the moment you tell yourself that I hate them all, number one, using the word hate, I'm not even going to deal with that, but that I hate them all, y'all, that's a scary place to be. Especially for young folks who you've got a whole lot of living to do. You've got a whole lot to learn. And for you to be 15, 14, and saying with a straight face, chest out, I hate them all. You're going to have a hard road ahead, young man. And again, I caution us older folk too. Because some of us got in our own mind, truth be told, there's some things we tell ourselves, if you are this, I don't like you. And I'm not going to deal with you. Again, we need to be very careful because we'll find ourselves in a spot where it is uh, that ain't of the Lord. He's not pleased with that. And if we're not careful, we're going to do it anyhow and find ourselves on judgment, looking before the Lord, saying, Lord, don't, don't you remember me? And his answer is, yeah, I remember you. I remember you clearly. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. It's a tough spot to be. Let's look at the, let's look at the next verse. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And again, he's gloating. He's, uh, he's bragging. Lord, I thank thee, but I don't do all this stuff. Let me tell you all these things that I have done. Y'all, the Lord ain't interested in you telling him what all you've done. He knows what you've done. When you go before the Lord, it, is, it is, should be the most humbling thing you do. You bow. Why do you think we encourage folks to you bow your head and close your eyes when you go to the Lord? We ain't talking to just anybody, y'all. We are talking to the Lord. And that's what makes sometimes when we think about our prayers and what we do before the Lord, I'm pointing to the communion. Y'all, we need to have a level of reverence for this thing called worship service that sometimes is far beyond what we ever work up in our own hearts. We come in here and do what we want to do, how we want to do it, 
and sometimes and somehow think that the Lord is going to be pleased with that, and he is not. And the beautiful thing about this is we have an opportunity to stand here and talk about this today, which means if you can hear the sound of my voice, you can get it better. You can do right. You can do right. This counts for me too, y'all. This is not about one standing before you being perfect and always getting it right. We all can learn. And the beautiful thing before us this morning is that we can all hear the words from God's holy scripture. And when we can hear better and learn better, we can do better. All right? Listen to him. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Next verse. And the publican. Come on, y'all. It's the tax collector. Nobody like him. He's got one of those jobs that nobody cares for. Folks see the publican. It's kind of like seeing a Jehovah's Witness. Y'all, folks are hitting the, hitting the deck, running from behind the door. Tell them I'm not home. Come on, y'all. Y'all know how we do, right? Hide, turn off the lights so they can't see us moving around in this house, right? I do not want him to know that I'm here because you see the publican, he's coming to collect taxes. And again, side note, not in the lesson, but we're here. Might as well talk about it. Uh, y'all, we Christians, you need to pay your taxes all right? Why? Because that is the law, and you can't hide behind God's word and say, I'm not paying no taxes because that's the man. That's the law, and the Lord expects for us to obey the law except it violate his word. And there ain't nothing about taxes that violates God's word, so pay your taxes. All right? While we're floating by there, too, go to work if you have a job and be on time and respect your leaders and your bosses, even if they're bad people, you respect the office, respect the president, the office of president of these United States. You don't have to like the man and what he does, but God has set this in order. And when we disrespect the office, we disrespect the Lord. And so again, you will not be able to hide behind scripture and saying that was a bad man. He was not good. You let the Lord deal with him. You do what God says do. And again, here we have a Pharisee who in his own self-righteousness, right, is trying to tell the Lord all that he's done, chest puffed out. Then we see a contrast here who is a publican, despised by men, and the publican standing afar off. Would not even, he's standing afar off. The reverence respect, he's afar off and would not even so much as lift his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast saying, God, be merciful to me as a sinner. Sometimes. Instead of coming up with fancy words and phrases and trying to put it in 2019 vernacular, there's sometimes, y'all, when your life's so messed up, all you can say is, Lord, have mercy on me. And the good news about that is the Lord hears you and the Lord will answer your prayer. We see a publican here who shows the level of reverence and respect and going before the Lord that you would say, but he's a publican. But look at it. The Pharisees were considered to be the religious know-it-alls, the religious keepers of the word then. And they, they should have known better. They had the word. And look at how the Pharisee went to the Lord. <laughs> look at all I've done, Lord. I ain't, I've, done all, I've not done any of these things, and I show enough ain't like him. And that him that he's talking down to just went before the Lord, stood afar off, couldn't even look up to the heavens, and just smote his chest, Lord, have mercy on me me. Every once in a while, life gets tough enough. Circumstances get challenging enough where all you can say is, Lord, have mercy on me. And we should be thankful that when we go to the Lord and all we can say is, have mercy on me, that that is enough. The Lord hears us and the Lord will bless us. Final verse in this group of passages. I tell you, this man went down to his house 
justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Again, a reminder for us that as we're going to the Lord, we can go boldly, but we have to go with humility. The Lord doesn't owe us anything. He's loving and gracious and caring enough to give us all that we need and a whole lot of what we want. But we have to go to the Lord with a level of respect because he doesn't owe us anything. And if we go to the Lord, some of us keep going to him sideways. Uh, I said this is the same Lord who opened up a Red Sea, the same Lord who gave sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, raised folks from the dead. Y'all keep, keep messing with the Lord when it comes to how we go to him and deal with him. If you don't think for a moment that the Lord won't deal with us, uh, if he dealt with us how we ought to be dealt with, none of us will be sitting and standing here right now because we all deserve death. But he gives us life. We all deserve, deserve condemnation because of our wicked ways. But he gave us his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins and to have his blood cover us continuously. We all sit and stand here in a wonderful spot because it's the blood of Jesus Christ that covers us. And we ought not get it twisted and think that somehow we are here because we're smart. Somehow we are here because we have the wherewithal to pull our own selves up by our own bootstraps. And you ain't got no boots. You ain't got no boots with straps. Any good that you are, any good that you have, it's all because of the Lord. And the moment you give him the credit that he deserves, humble yourself in his presence. The Bible says that when you humble yourself, he will lift you up. I don't need to be lifted up by anybody else. I just need the Lord to, to lift me up. And he will only do so if I first humble myself. So you want to work on any something, work on your humility. Because uh, he who is humble, the Lord will lift up. Final example. Final example. Turn over to Matthew 6, 1 through 8. Matthew chapter 6. We're going to look at eight verses here. And the lesson will indeed be yours. And before we wrap up the lesson this morning, there's a, a quick exercise I want you all to do for me uh, before we wrap up. But let's look at this last exercise first. Matthew chapter 6. Let's look at verses 1 through 8. First couple of verses that we'll read have more to do with what we do, but it's going to get into prayer, and they go together, and I want to talk about each of them for just uh, a bit. Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them, otherwise you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily, I say unto you, they have their reward. Pause here. When it comes to humility, brothers and sisters, and we're going to get to prayer here and how this applies here in just a moment. When you do good for other folks, and you should do good for other folks, you ain't got to go around telling everybody about it. All that says to the Lord is doing it for the wrong reason. The Lord requires us to do good by other folks. But when the Bible says do your arms, don't, don't go out telling folk about it. Uh, what he's trying to remind us is this thing called humility. And that when you're doing something good, do it. But you don't have to tell anybody. Why? Because, and this is the scary part right here in verse 2, y'all, is that when we do things to get glory from men, 
The Bible's telling us you're going to get it. But that's all you're going to get. In other words, when you do what you do to get credit from man, God is saying, I'm going to give you, you're going to get credit from man, but you get nothing else. So all this good you thought you were doing, sending up timber, paving the way to heaven. No, the Bible's telling us clearly here, no, when you do what you do so other men can see it and give you credit and glory, go ahead and you better enjoy that gold star you get here on earth. You better enjoy that parade they throw for you. You better enjoy that trophy they give you because that's all you're getting. And he will remind us further that instead of seeking man's approval, seek approval from the Lord. Because when the Lord approves what we do, y'all, you can, if you never get a trophy here on earth, if they never put your name on a plaque or shut down the city to throw a parade for some wonderful work you have done, count it a blessing. Because if you did good and nobody noticed, God noticed. And what God is saying is, I'm reserving this place up here for you because of what you're doing. I got, a, I got this mansion prepared for you, y'all. I got this room reserved. I got a robe. I got a crown for you. But that are for those who are living according to God's word. So again, don't be so hung up on trying to get man's credit. Because the Bible's telling us that, yeah, if you're not careful, what's going to happen is you're going to get it. And when you do, that's all you're getting. And so I don't, uh, I don't care if they never throw a parade for me in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. or any, I, don't, I don't want the parade. Leave me be. Just let, I'm going to try to work all the good work I can do. And I'm as best I can. I ain't telling anybody. If you find out, you found out on a fluke, right? It wasn't because I posted it in the bulletin. It wasn't because I was on TV talking about it, putting it in a newspaper. If you found out, uh, you just happened to have found out. And the Lord knows that you just happened to have found out. It's not because I needed folks to know, because the Bible tells me that when I do good, I do good because it's good, not because of what somebody's going to say or do. And here again, the Bible's telling us that be careful. If you do what you do so men can, can, can glorify you, be careful because you're going to get a whole lot of glory down here on earth. And you ain't going to get a lick of it in the day when you need it the most. All right? Next verse. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. Next verse. That thine alms may be in secret, and thy father which, is, which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. Stop. You, and you see what the Lord is telling us here? Do good and keep your mouth closed. And guess what? The Bible says that the Lord will reward you. And he'll even go as far because he loves you, not because you're good. Because he, he will even go as far as rewarding you openly. You ever seen some folks that received a lot of attention out here? And it was, I, they must be seeking attention. They must be seeking glory. No, the Bible tells us that when folks do good just because it's good, uh, it's the Lord who rewards openly. So, Lord, when you're given the reward, I, I'm, I'm good because you're giving it. And I know what it's for. You know what it's for. And again, that's the attitude that we all need to have when we're doing good. You're doing good because it's good. And again, if you're waiting for somebody to throw a parade and give you a trophy and give you a, a sash, you better think again because the moment you get that sash because you're out talking about all the good you've done, uh, the Lord is saying, you better enjoy it. Put it on the trophy case because you get nothing from me for that uh, because your mind wasn't right. And we have that attitude, that checkup from the neck up. Next verse. And when thou prayest, here's where it connects to prayer. And it goes back to the prior verses, making a real stark comparison here. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, 
they have their reward, just like by doing well. The Bible's telling us that so for those who are out up praying on the corners and trying to be seen of men, their prayers, they just want to be seen by men, the Bible's telling them, here you go again. If your goal was to get attention from mankind and to get a reward from mankind, there you have it. Enjoy it, because that's all you're getting, the only reward that you're getting, and that should scare us to death. Again, reminding us that we don't do what we do so that man can be pleased. We do what we do because it pleases the Lord. And when we please the Lord, we don't have to worry about anything else. Next verse. But thou, when thou prayest, prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret. And thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Next verse. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Stop there. Uh, not all of us have the privilege of standing before God's people and praying. So this message is uh, an earnest and a sober reminder to our brothers who have the privilege of standing before God's people and praying. Don't be nervous or afraid to pray publicly for the Lord. Please, you need to be prepared to come before God's people as a man in his church and pray. Every man is expected to be able to come before his people and pray. But when you pray, it ain't a show. You don't have to come up here and try to impress anybody with your big fancy words, hanging your prepositions and your verbs and adjectives together just right. Uh, the Lord don't care about your vocabulary in that way. The Lord wants you to come to him with humility. And to come to him, it's not about vain repetitions and fancy words. It's about the sincerity of the words and your heart when you're praying, that you know who you're praying to, you know what you're praying for, and you're praying with a confidence to know that he is able to deliver whatever it is that you're praying for. So again, he's reminding us, there's some folks who are on the street corners praying, literally and figuratively. It's not literally always on the street corner where folks are standing up praying, trying to, trying to get attention for a show, all right? And again, I'm reminding us brothers as well, it's not about big words. It's not about having fancy sayings. You're not up here trying to, uh, there, ain't no, there ain't no prize to be given out for how good your prayer is. A good prayer is one that acknowledges that God is who he is, confesses sin, gives thanks, and asks for something. Give thanks, then asks for something. Uh, that's a good prayer, right? When you cover all that needs to be covered, and whether you use third grade English or master's degree language, y'all, the Lord is saying if your heart is right, uh, you're going to focus on the right things. So again, don't worry about trying to impress anybody else. Brothers, if you don't normally pray here in front of God's people, uh, you need to aspire to do so. But when you do, you don't have to worry about how, how beautiful is this. You don't have to worry about being uh, a, a great speaker. You just got to speak from your heart. And when you speak from your heart, in whatever education level you have, God hears it. And God will answer. All right? Next. Be ye not therefore like unto them. For your father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. Again, we have to feel good about that, brothers and sisters, that the Lord knows what we need before we ask. And even when we ask, if we get the words a little wrong, the Lord knows us enough to know, boy, I know what you're asking for. You tried. I know what you're asking for. And again, if he chooses to grant it, guess what? He is going to grant us what we stand in need of. Before I close on this morning, there's something I want you to, to do for me. We'll take just a moment. Ushers, they're going to pass out, go ahead and pass out these cards. They're a single 
pieces of paper that the uh, ushers are going to pass out for us this morning. If you are an adult who prays, or if you're a child of an age where you pray too, everybody gets one, just one piece of paper. It's a blank piece of paper. Never mind the logo on the top. I had to use what I had, all right? Here are the instructions while these cards are coming out. Again, give it to every adult who prays. Never somebody here who doesn't pray, don't take one, all right? And any child who prays, even if it's with the assistance of their parents, all right? Every adult and every child who prays, I want you to take one of these. Here are the instructions. Very easy, very quick, very simple. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to write on this piece of paper. Do not put your name on it. Do not put your name on it. I want you to write on this piece of paper. Lord, there's this thing that I'm, that I'm dealing with, and I want you to, I'm going to pray this morning. I want you to remove this thing or help me out of this thing. Some of us are in circumstances right now and are too ashamed to stand up and ask for prayer about it. Because we know, and I know, as much as we are told to, as we read in James chapter 5, confess our faults one to another, pray for another. I know that can be really hard, brothers and sisters, because guess what? It is true. Some of us can't handle the truth. If I get up in here and some of us say what it is we're really going through, folks going to look at us sideways, all right? I get it. But here's what we're doing. On this piece of paper, you simply write, if there is something you want the Lord to help you with, it could be a circumstance, it could be physical, it can be emotional, it can be spiritual. I want you to write it down on this piece of paper and be prepared to fold it up. Do not put your name on it. Fold it up. The brothers are going to come back through with a trash bag or a bag, and we're going to collect them. We're going to collect them. And I just want you to write it down because I acknowledge that there are some things that if I were to say just stand up and confess your faults, confess something to that we can pray for you, not everybody's comfortable doing that, and I get it. But here's you're going to write it down and fold it up because I'm not going to read these, but I want us to get in the habit of expressing to the Lord what we really need from him because there are things that we are going through right now that we have failed to for years ever bring to the forefront and talk to the Lord about because we're ashamed or because we're afraid of what other people are going to say or other people are going to think. You write it down on this piece of paper and just fold it up. Your brothers are going to come through and they are going to collect these from you. If you think you have no need for prayer and say, I don't need to do this, let me, let me ask you to write this down. I'm going to give you the words I want you to put on this piece of paper. If you say to yourself, I don't need prayer for anything, I'm good. I want you to write this down, all right? Write it down. Here it comes. I want you to write this. Lord, open my eyes to my wretched condition. And I want you to write that down, right? If you say to yourself, I don't got a need for prayer, I'm good. I want you to write this down. Lord, open my eyes to my wretched condition. Place me in front of the mirror so I can see my flaws and humble myself in your presence and seek your help in my life. Point is, y'all, we all need prayer. There are things we all need help with. And here we have just one other way for us to say, Lord, I need your help. And I'm going to ask for it. And this might be your Red Sea thing that you're asking the Lord to help you with. This may be your, Lord, I'm asking you for 15 years of life thing that you're putting on this piece of paper. I'm not telling you what to put on the piece of paper. I'm giving you an opportunity to open your heart to our Lord so that when we pray, we're going to pray for this, this, all this stuff that's in this, in this bag. We're going to pray for it. Whatever it is, we're praying for it. Because God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. And so I'm going to challenge you to just put it on paper. And we're going to pray for it. And then we're going to let the Lord do what the Lord is capable of doing. Perhaps you have more than one thing. You say, man, you gave me a small piece of paper. Uh, I need a show enough bigger piece of paper. Uh, 
All right, uh, if that's your circumstance you're in, uh, perhaps you should uh, treat it like the publican and just write on your paper, uh, Lord, have mercy on me. Right? That's allowed. Uh, the point here is everybody who took a piece of paper, I don't know who took a piece of paper. I'm not going to read them. But when we come back around here, they're going to come through in a second. Go ahead and write it down. I'm trying to give you time to write this down on this paper. We're going to collect them, fold it up. I'm not going to read it. You don't have to let the person next to you read it. This is between you and God. But if you cannot on this piece of paper put down that thing that you really need the Lord to help you with, I don't know what else to do, y'all. I'm giving you an opportunity just between you and the Lord. I'm going to take it and burn this stuff. I'm not going to leave it out in the parking lot. I'm going to take it. I'm going to burn it up. I, it's not for me to read it. It's for you to start building the wherewithal to say, Lord, there are things that i got to bring to you, and i got to bring them to you, and this is some heavy stuff, and I can't bring this stuff up in public because people just don't get it. They don't understand. They end up saying and thinking stuff about me. I don't, I don't need that. I need help. I need encouragement. And so this is your opportunity to put it directly and only before the Lord. I hope you've written your stuff down. It doesn't even have to be legible because I'm not reading it. But this is you talking to the Lord and letting him know that I'm dealing with something heavy, Lord, so much so that I have difficulty going before my brothers and sisters even. I have difficulty talking to my children, my spouse, my parents, whatever that is. Again, you have an opportunity to write it down. Fold your paper up. I'm not reading it. Nobody's reading this. Ushers are going to come around and collect these. I gave them a couple trash bags. Uh, Come by and collect these, not to be symbolic, but just as all I had access to was some old Walmart bags, right? So I want you to put, oh, they got, they made it pretty. They put it in baskets. Uh, come on around, ushers, and pick these things up. Come on around and pick the sheets up. Pass it around, get the sheets. And again, if you did not put something on a piece of paper, that's your choice. I'm giving you an opportunity to share something before the Lord that you may not otherwise share. If you believe, like I believe, that the Lord is able to do all things, why not go before him and ask him to help you with whatever this is that you find yourself going through right now? As we read in James chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, those final verses say to us that the effectual, fervent prayer a righteous man availeth much. Translated for us, that means that for those of us in this room who are spiritual, those of us in this room who are indeed children of God, when we go to him in prayer, he listens. He answers our prayers. And we're going to go to God in prayer on behalf of the stuff that's in this basket. And brothers, when y'all get that in the basket and it's at the top, seal it up. Take it, fold it, close the bag up. I don't want nobody tempted to reach in and grab nothing. I don't want to just put it, close it, and seal it, pull it, pull it to. You can bring it to me or just have it where I can come get it because I'm going to get it and I'm taking it up out of here because we are, this is, this is real, real in the sense that, y'all, God is able. And I want us as children of God to know that we can go to him and pray to him for things in our lives, no matter how traumatic or difficult they may seem, and God can remove those things from our lives. We have to ask him. And there's some things he's going to require of us. If I want him to remove something, I got to give it to him. And I got to stop going back to it. I got to fight hard because some of the stuff, it's, I've been doing it so long, it's like second nature. So I got I to do my part, which could be difficult. But anything worth doing, worth having, is hard. 
You know it in every other part of your life. If it's worth having, it's going to take some work. And if you're going to work at it, you got to put in the work, right? So this does not remove your need to do work. This just says you are committing yourself to trying right now. You're going to put something on here, and you're going to ask the Lord to help remove those things. When you get that in the back, brothers, and get it, tie the bag up, tie it up, double bag it, whatever you got to do, tie that up. You're not a member of the Lord's church. You come to him by hearing his word, believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, repenting, turning away from the things that you've done or are doing that are contrary to his will, confessing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and putting him on in baptism for the remission of your sins. That's how you get into the Lord's church. If you're not a member of the Lord's church, we've been studying in Sunday school, you even hear now where God has his chosen people, and God hears his people's prayers. If you're not a member of the Lord's church, and you're trying to get your prayers answered, and you're trying to hear from the Lord through his word, you need to be in him. It's by far the most important decision you will ever make in your life. Put the Lord on in baptism. If you are a member of the Lord's church, again, you don't have to feel ashamed for it, y'all. We struggle, all of us, self-included with all manner of things when it comes to everyday life. And it is not something that we need to be ashamed of. It is something that we need to commit ourselves to say, Lord, this is jacked up enough that I'm going to bring it to you. And I'm going to leave it at your feet. And I'm going to trust that you're going to help me with this thing, whatever this thing is. And when I leave it to you, Lord, and leave it with you, I'm going to leave it there. I'm not going to come pick it back up. I'm not going to ask you, how, 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 how's it going? You got that? Are you going to handle that for me? I'm going to believe and trust that when we give it to the Lord that he's got it and that he's going to take care of it. If you are not a member of the Lord's church and you want to put him on in baptism, I encourage that this morning. If you are a member of the Lord's church, and again, you need prayer, I know that already. If there are some prayers you want to make known to the congregation, we're going to give you an opportunity to do so while we together stand and we together sing. When he calls for me, I will hear. The Savior calls, I will answer. I'll be somewhere listening for my name. Oh, I'll be somewhere listening. I'll be somewhere listening. I'll be somewhere listening for my name. Oh, I'll be somewhere listening. I'll be somewhere. Listening, I'll be somewhere, listening for my name. We have a couple who are standing. Let us hear what they have uh, on their hearts. Yes, sir. 